discuter de tout ça. I don't want to set the world on fire. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Good evening, good afternoon, or good morning, whenever it may be, wherever you may be, and however you may be hearing my voice. Whether it be via download through one of the many podcast platforms, or if you are listening to the premiere on the Alternate Current Radio's live stream, I appreciate you tuning in and joining me as we attempt to navigate the shark-infested waters of the agenda-centivized media and look past the propaganda. This is your daily dose of what's currently all the ruckus. What in God's name is going on in here? What was that ruckus? Uh, what ruckus? I was just in my office and I heard a ruckus. Could you describe the ruckus, sir? Watch your tongue, young man. Watch it. Quoting from the modern classic Einstein's Dreams, written by Alan Lightman, quote, One cannot walk down an avenue, converse with a friend, enter a building, browse beneath the sandstone arches of an old arcade without meeting an instrument of time. Time is visible in all places. Clock towers, wristwatches, church bells divide years into months, months into days, days into hours, hours into seconds, each increment of time marching after the other in perfect succession. And beyond any particular clock, a vast scaffold of time stretching across the universe lays down the law of time equally for all." You're listening to Alternate Current Radio, I'm Adam Clark, and this is The Daily Ruckus. Hey there, everyone. Before I begin, I want to sincerely thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join me for this episode of The Daily Ruckus. You see what I did there? But in all seriousness, time is a precious commodity, and it means the world to me that so many of you are willing to give up some of your precious time just to listen to my show. And if you managed to catch the last episode, and I do apologize if it was a little too sciency and math-oriented, you may recall that I used a hypothetical situation involving twin sisters to help explain the theory of relativity. And today, I'm going to begin with telling the story of a couple of real twin sisters to help explain what time blindness is. In an article for The Cut on April 10th, 2020, Bridget Reed writes, I'm not in therapy right now, but my twin sister is, and sometimes I ask her for insights. Your twin should be able to be your therapy plus one, I say. The other day, she missed an appointment for no discernible reason. She had been doing some law school work on her computer, making lunch, 
just puttering around, and she looked at the time, and her session had passed. Quote, My therapist said it was time blindness, she told me later. We're all time blind. End quote. I thought, oh yes, that's right. Time blind. Just like being unable to distinguish between red or blue. I'm self-isolating 3,000 miles away from my twin, who is staying with our parents in Southern California. I'm in New York. We FaceTime every day, but I haven't seen her in person since Christmas. I know how much time has officially passed. A whole season. The last time I hugged her, I wore a big winter coat. But it feels feels much longer, like we unknowingly entered into a new century since then, another era. When I finally see her again, we will speak a different language than the one we used to. Maybe we won't even look like each other anymore. Other times, I swear, I heard her laugh just the other day. Time blindness is a term coined by doctors who treat people with Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, ADHD. Dr. Ari Tuckman, a Pennsylvania-based psychologist who specializes in ADHD, said adults typically develop an innate awareness of time and an ability to track its passing. Some people have what he calls a harder or sharper time awareness. They know when they've been out for lunch too long, or when something hasn't been in the oven for long enough. Others have a much softer one. They can miss appointments and trains, or play a game for hours and not realize they haven't eaten dinner. At the severe end of the spectrum, toward the soft end, is time blindness, which can profoundly impact someone's life if they can't ever keep deadlines or make social events. People with ADHD are often more time blind than others. On top of our individual time awareness, Tuckman said, Context plays a role. Sleep deprivation, anxiety, depression, being drunk, anything that might impact how we process the world can make us feel more time-blind. He says context has wildly changed for us all at this moment in history. Without the usual time marker cues we might use to divide up our days, the school bus arriving, standing on a crowded train platform, the line at the coffee shop, Weekend nights spent at restaurants with friends were swimming in a sea of sameness. He tells me, quote, It's like driving through a haze where there's just not as many distinct landmarks, end quote. Even if before all this, you might have called yourself a stickler for time, you're likely having a hard time sticking. You're throwing darts into a viscous, slippery time jelly. Grief is one of the biggest causes of time blindness, according to Tuckman. What am I mourning? People who are gone, places I used to go, seeing my sister's face for real. Holding on to time is a skill of your mind, like doing math, and sadness sucks up its computing strength. It's why time goes faster when I talk to her, when I'm not so sad, even though I want it to feel longer. Tuckman said it might be nice for more people to understand time blindness, if only to help normalize this feeling that clocks have stopped working, or they've stopped being applicable to our lives. Trains and appointments were our context clues, yes, but so were other people. He says talking to them, even while physically apart, can be a way to keep time. The Cut.com 
Well, I guess technically, y'all could blame me for part of your time blindness if any of you happen to be suffering from that, because I can't seem to keep a regular schedule for my show. Hopefully sometime in the near future I can get that fixed. And also, hopefully sometime in the near future, we'll figure out a way to build a time machine. But probably not anytime soon. And especially not in China. Because they swear that they are not building a time machine. As reported by Giant Freakin' Robot, China and their state physics lab is insisting they are not helping a private company build Get this, a time machine. In a recent statement, the Chinese Academy of Sciences Institute of High Energy Physics claims to have no official connection to Shangzi Rutai technology and the development of a time machine. They stress that the idea the two are partners is nothing more than false propaganda. So then, what of this mysterious PowerPoint presentation that has been making a run across the internet? Six Park News grabbed the presentation before it was taken down, and it has quite a bit of information on this potential time machine. Part of that includes a mention of the Chinese Academy of Sciences Institute of High Energy Physics. Per Six Park News, quote, The device can distort time and space, control the flow rate of time, break through the barrier of time and space, and can be widely used for time travel, interstellar voyage, life extension, etc. The project plans to select a location in China and lease an area of about 16 acres to build a scientific experiment base. It is expected that the device will be able to successfully shuttle the space-time experiment 7 to 12 months after the funds are in place. End quote. Also, according to this PowerPoint, on top of it claiming to have cooperation with a research and development team from the Chinese Academy, Nobel laureate Gao Kun has quote-unquote recognized and praised the time machine device as well as three other esteemed scientists. Academician Li Zing, Zhao Guangyang, and academician Niu Shuiquang of the American Academy of Sciences. As for the mention of the Chinese Academy of Sciences Institute of High Energy Physics, they were forced to release a statement of deniability in order to distance themselves from the time machine project. Quote, it is not true that our institute and the Shangzi Rutai technology mentioned in the article concerning the space-time tunnel generation experimental device project in this business plan has reached a preliminary cooperation agreement with a research and development team composed of well-known experts and academicians of the Institute of High Energy Physics of the Chinese Academy of Sciences. Development Technology Company Limited and its personnel have not had any contact or cooperation, and our firm will not bear any legal responsibility for any any losses caused by its false propaganda, end quote. But with many things China-related, things can get a little kooky, the first being that Rutai technology has only been in existence since December 31st, 2020. Now, that's not saying a start to this possible time machine contraption didn't begin some time ago. Another kooky tidbit coming from this PowerPoint leak is the fact that Nobel laureate Gao Kun does not exist. Hmm. Neither Neither do the other three esteemed scientists listed. Want to get even kookier with this time travel, time machine notion? Rutai has even denied involvement 
blaming a financing platform, Turangji, for mistakenly creating the presentation. If all this were to take place, Rutai was looking to raise close to $31 million for 16 acres in China to begin time travel experimentation, and the project was conservatively estimated to be worth over $838.2 billion. Who knows what's real or fabrication when it comes to China and time machines? Of course, the notion of time travel has been popular in science fiction over the years. H.G. Wells made it famous with his novella The Time Machine, and it has been popular in movies too. But in reality, the notion of a true, real-life time machine may be too hard to fathom. Could you imagine the consequences of having such power as that at your fingertips? GiantFreakinRobot.com Of course, who's to say that we haven't already built a time machine? According to popular mechanics, we already know how to build one. In September 2015, cosmonaut Genady Padalka arrived back on Earth for the last time. He had just completed his sixth mission in space and broke the record for the most cumulative time spent beyond Earth's atmosphere, 879 days. And because of these 2.5 years spent orbiting the planet at high speeds, Padalka also became a time traveler experiencing Einstein's theory of general relativity in action. Quote, When Mr. Padalka came back from his adventures, he found the Earth to be 1 44th of a second to the future of where he expected it to be, explains J. Richard Gott, Princeton physicist and author of the 2001 book Time Travel in Einstein's Universe. He literally traveled into the future, end quote. While being a fraction of a second younger than if he had stayed on Earth, isn't mind-bending stuff, it nonetheless gave Padalka the distinction as the current time traveler record, according to Gott. Although not exactly a plutonium-charged DeLorean, time travel is anything but fiction. Real astrophysicists like Gott are pretty sure they know how to build a time machine, and intense speed, much, much faster than Padalka's orbital jaunt, is the key ingredient. Until the 20th century, time was was believed to be completely immutable and time travel a scientific impossibility. In the 1680s, Sir Isaac Newton thought time progressed at a consistent pace throughout the universe, regardless of outside forces or location. And for two centuries, the scientific world subscribed to Newton's theory, until 26-year-old Albert Einstein came along. In 1905, Einstein revealed his ideas on special relativity using this framework for his theory of general relativity a decade later. Einstein's universe-defining calculations introduced, well, lots of things, but also some concepts related to time. The most important being that time is elastic and dependent on speed. Slowing down or speeding up depending on how fast an object or person is moving. In 1971, four cesium-beam atomic clocks flew around the world and were then compared to ground-based clocks. The resulting minuscule time difference proved that Einstein was onto something. There's also another technology tucked inside your smartphone that also validates Einstein's theory. Ron Mallet, an astrophysicist and author of the book Time Traveler, A Scientist's Personal Mission to Make Time Travel a Reality, says, 
says, quote, Without Einstein's general theory of relativity, our GPS system wouldn't be working. That's also proof that Einstein's theories are correct, end quote. But apart from this mutable version of time, Einstein also calculated the speed of light. At 300 million meters, or 186,282 miles per second, Einstein describes the figure as the quote-unquote ultimate speed limit and a universal constant no matter if one is sitting on a bench or traveling in a rocket ship. The last bit of Einstein's time-bending ideas suggest that gravity also slows time, meaning time runs faster where gravity is weaker, like the vast emptiness among massive celestial bodies like the Sun, Jupiter, and Earth. Fast forward a century later, and all of these theories, highly summarized of course, now form the building blocks of astrophysics, and buried among all this expert-level math, Einstein also proved that time travel was possible. In fact, not only is time travel possible, it's already happened, it just doesn't look like your typical sci-fi film. Returning to our time-traveling cosmonaut Padalka, his 144th second jump into the future is so minuscule because he was only traveling 17,000 miles per hour. That isn't very fast, at least in comparison to the speed of light. But what would happen if we created something that could go much faster than geostationary orbit? We're not talking a commercial jetliner, which goes about 550 to 600 miles an hour, or a 21st century rocket to the ISS at about 25,000 miles per hour, but something that could approach 186,282 miles per second. Quote, On a subatomic level, it's been done, says Mallet. An example is the Large Hadron Collider. It routinely sends subatomic particles into the future, end quote. The particle accelerator has the ability to propel protons at 99.999999% the speed of light, a speed at which their relative time is moving about 6,900 times slower compared to their stationary human observers. So yes, we've been sending atoms into the future, and we've been doing it for the last decade, but humans are another matter. Gott says, given that we propel particles nearly the speed of light on a regular basis, conceptually, it's rather simple for humans to time travel into the future. Quote, if you want to visit Earth in the year 3000, Gott says, all you have to do is get on a spaceship and go 99.995% the speed of light. End quote. Let's say a human is put on such a ship and sent to a planet that's a little less than 500 light-years away. For example, Kepler-186f, meaning if they traveled at 99.995% of the speed of light, it would take them about 500 years to get there since they are going at nearly the speed of light. After a quick snack and a bathroom break, they would then turn around and head back to Earth, which would take another 500 years. So in total, it would take about a thousand years for them to arrive safely back home. And on Earth, it would be the year 3018. However, since they were moving so fast, the resulting time dilation wouldn't seem like a thousand years for them, since their internal clock has slowed. Gott says, quote, their clock will be ticking at one one-hundredth of the rate of the clocks on Earth. They are only going to age about ten years, end quote. While a millennium would pass for us, for them it would be a decade. Quote, if we on Earth were watching through the window, they would be eating breakfast very slowly, says Gott, but to them everything would be normal, end quote. But there is a massive gulf between what is theoretical and what is real. So how do we overcome the immense 
immense technological challenges of building a time machine. Building a time-traveling spaceship may be the best place to start, but the engineering obstacles, at least for now, are enormous. For one, we are not even close to having a spaceship that can travel the speed of light. The fastest spacecraft ever created will soon be the Parker Solar Probe, which will launch this summer and travel only 0.00067% the speed of light. There's also the enormous amount of energy that would be needed to propel a ship to go that fast. Gott suggests that highly efficient antimatter fuel could be the key, and other world agencies and scientists also think such a fuel could be a potentially invaluable piece to interstellar travel. But ensuring the safety of the human cargo on such a futuristic mission would also be tricky. First of all, the ship would need to carry enough supplies like food, water, and medicine, and be self-sufficient for the entire journey. Then there's the whole acceleration thing. To make sure our hypothetical traveler wouldn't be obliterated by overwhelming g-forces, the ship would need to gradually and steadily accelerate. While steady 1g acceleration, like what we feel on Earth, for a long period of time would eventually get the ship to approach near speed of light, it would add to the length of the trip and minimize how far in the future one could go. Using our 500 light-year planet example, Gott predicts that the steady acceleration of 1g up to near light speed would increase the aging of the time traveler to 24 years, quote, but you would still get to visit Earth in the year 3000, end quote. To create a vehicle with these specifications would require a lot of time, resources, and money. But the same can be said for other massively ambitious experiments, like detecting gravitational waves and building the Large Hadron Collider. A time machine could be the world's next scientific megaproject. But there is one big caveat to this theoretical portrait of real-world time travel. This machine doesn't go in reverse. While Bill and Ted travel to the past to pick up Socrates with relative ease, in reality, scientists and researchers need to find a way to circumvent the rules of physics in order to to travel back in time. Wormholes, black holes, cosmic strings, and circulating light beams have all been suggested as potential solutions for time traveling to the past. The main challenge that astrophysicists are grappling with is figuring out how to beat a light beam to a point in space-time and back. Since the speed of light is the absolute maximum, physicists are concentrating on finding phenomena like wormholes, which could provide tunnel-like shortcuts that jump across curved space-time, and in theory, beat a light beam to a particular point in space-time. While wormholes do work within the confines of Einstein's theories of relativity, they have yet to be observed in space and scientists have no concrete evidence that these galactic shortcuts would even work. So while time traveling to the past may be the more exciting concept, scientists are much more likely to fling someone into the unknown future rather than the well-trodden past. But despite overwhelming odds, fiscal and scientific, Mallet believes the future of a time-traveling society is possible. He says, quote, What happened with going to the moon? We wanted to go there. Kennedy asked for it, and there was proper funding so we got there within a decade. The technology isn't far off. If the government and taxpayers wanted to pay for it, we could do it in the next 20 years.
years, end quote. For now, wannabe time travelers will still have to look to science fiction for its time travel fix, with some movies being much more accurate than others. Quote, a good movie was the original Planet of the Apes, says Mallet. The astronauts thought they had landed on another planet that was ruled by apes, but what they found out was that they had traveled so fast that they had arrived into Earth's future. That movie accurately depicts Einstein's special theory of relativity. End quote. Popularmechanics.com Whoops, I'm sorry, just in case some of you have never seen the original Planet of the Apes. Is it too late to say spoiler alert? My bad. I sincerely apologize. And I also apologize for ending this one with a bit of a riddle. The question is whether or not this is the last episode in my About Time series. And the answer depends on one of two things. Number one, whether or not you listened to these episodes in chronological order. And number two, whether or not I have any more waiting in the wings. But whether or not that's true is for me to know and for you to find out. And as if all of that wasn't cryptic enough, I'm going to go ahead and end with the following quote from the Butlerian Jihad, which is book one of the Legends of Dune trilogy, a prequel to Frank Herbert's classic Dune series written by his son Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson. Quote, Time depends on the position of the observer and the direction in which he looks. End quote. Thanks for tuning in, folks. I'll either see you in the future or in the past. And don't forget that today is yesterday's tomorrow and tomorrow's yesterday. For the ACR, I'm Adam Clark, and this has been the Daily Ruckus for Friday, March 5th, 2021. For more information, please visit alternatecurrentradio.com.